WPSL Port St. Lucie. It's time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. Thanks for tuning into the show today. We really appreciate it. We'll be on here for the next hour on WPSL. We appreciate you being with us. I hope you can uh, be with us each Lord's Day at this time. We'd be glad to have you. That includes all of you who are Christians or church attenders, those of you who are not, those of you who are even unbelievers. We're glad you're listening. want to invite you to participate in the show. Nor- normally, we are just Christians as a live call-in show. But today, it's a recording because uh, I had to be out of town, and so we have a recording. And so you're not going to be able to call in today. I will give you some text numbers in just a moment. You can text me, and you can text Gary Jones, and we'll be glad to correspond with you. Maybe even use your comments or questions on another show. But my name is Mike Schmidt. I'm the el- one of the elders and the preacher for the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. And with me, as usual, is Gary Jones. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing pretty good. Good. We're glad we can be with you today. And, and this show is about bringing the idea, the concept of being just a Christian to this area to the people who live here. I've, been, I've lived here about 26 years myself. Gary's in his 40s, I think, of living here, no, 35 actually, or 40. Or, actually, I've lived here for 50 years. 50 now. years now, so he's an old-timer. He's been here longer than all the coyotes I keep hearing about. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, uh, we've been here a while, and we're trying to introduce this idea. To some people have never heard about the idea of being just a Christian. I think a lot of people want to be just a Christian, but they don't know how to because when you go to – most of the churches or meet many Christians in the area, they're always a part of some denomination, and they have a creed book and uh, some kind of organization, uh, national organization or international organization that, that they uh, follow. But the Lord's Church in the Bible was not that way. They were together. They weren't just loose individual people floating around. They were organized into churches as well as being individuals, but they were not connected except through their loyalty to the Word of God and to Jesus Christ. And so we're here to promote the idea of being just a Christian, getting past and beyond all of those creeds and denominations and things that divide Christians that ought not to divide us. Some things should divide us, but many things that divide Christians should not. And I believe that idea I, that idea has an appeal even to people who aren't believers, who have been put, put off by what they would call organized religion, and so forth, and and uh, just a call to go back to the simple truth that we can find in the Bible and bring that into the 21st century in a in relevant and clear way. Well, we have to organize it some, but we want to organize it around the Word of God. Yes, we only want the structures and organizations that are found in the Bible. And of course, we've had other shows on that, which you can look at on, on our archive at wearejustchristians.com. I don't think that's really our subject today, but we'll be glad to address that subject about how should the church be organized. All you got to do, if you'll text me today, I'll tell you about that. And you can reach us by text at 772-260-6120. That's Mike's text number, 772-260-6120. And Gary Jones's text number. And if you've got anything disagreeable or awful to say, please text Gary. Just kidding. 772 <laughs> 260-6220. So the numbers are similar. 772-260-6120. 772-260-6220. I'm not going to give you the number for WPSL this morning because no one is there to really can really take your call. We can't answer the call on the air. But we'd invite you to call back next week, the next next Sunday. We, Lord willing, we'll be back on the air live and be glad to take your call uh, about any subject that's on your mind. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with us. But this show, We Are Just Christians, is about just being, as I said, a Christian. And so we try to focus the answers and the content that we put on the show around what the Bible says about various subjects and topics and things that we ought to be doing or ought not to be doing. We bring in current events oftentimes and things from the newspaper uh, or whatever you call it today. I don't guess anybody has a paper actually today, but things from the news that illustrate how we can respond scripturally, to, biblically, to things that are happening today uh, here in this century. Well, Gary, uh, since it's, it is a recorded show, we picked out a topic to discuss. And uh, G- Gary's got a good topic here this, mor- this morning. 
and I'd like you to talk about that. We have a lot of different scriptures we want to look at, so we'd invite you to take your Bible or a Bible program or just a paper and a piece, a pencil and a piece of paper and write down the scriptures we're going to talk about as we do them, and then you can look them up either as we're talking about them or look at look them up later, and you can compare what we say about it with what it says for itself and hope you'll let the Bible speak for itself about these things. Or, what, even, what, or even if you have other scriptures that you think bear, text us about Yeah, them well, we'd and, love to hear that. So, and, and we'd love to hear that. So, Gary, what's on your mind this morning? Well, I, the, I titled it Let Not Many of You Become Teachers, and, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that. But it wasn't prompted by the scripture that I was actually quoting here. It was prompted by John 3, verses 9 through 11. Now, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, is a famous chapter, Mike. Uh, everybody knows some verses oh, yes. from uh-huh. John 3. Um, and everybody seems to have their own idea about what some of those things say. But in the, verse 9... Well, that's the passage where he says, you must be born again. Yes, that's the passage where yes, he says, where you must be Nicodemus, born again. And I was thinking of again. John three sixteen. Right. And, and, and then the... Yes, and I was going to say, and then the passage about God so loved the world. Right. And okay. he's talking to a Jew named Nicodemus, who is basically one of the leaders and teachers. He of, being Jesus... Well, Nicodemus. Well, no, he, 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 Jesus, was talking to Nicodemus. Yes, he, I, I'm Jesus making sure is talking to Nicodemus. All right, go ahead. Uh, and basically, Nicodemus is a leader and a teacher of the Jews. And in verse 9, uh, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Obviously, Nicodemus wasn't understanding what Jesus was saying. When Jesus said, you must be born again, again right. he said, what are you talking about? How can this what be? You, what, are you, what are you talking about? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? That's the New King James Version. Mm-hmm. And it struck me that obviously as a teacher of Israel, Jesus was expecting Nicodemus to understand and know certain things that he was telling him already. Right. And that made me think, you know, Mike, as elders, we, we teach uh, even from the very beginnings of this group many years ago, now 40, 40 years ago, uh, I, I had been doing teaching here. And so it made me think, well, Gary, are you, are you really in the same shape as Nicodemus? And, right. and so I started looking at some of the verses, and one of the ones that the title quotes is James 3, verses 1 through 5. And James says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Right. It pressed me, Mike, that one, we shall receive a stricter judgment, which should give pause to almost anyone who wants to teach or thinks they should be teaching. And, and I wonder about some of the things that I see on television of those people right, who are wrong. speaking. Well, you know, as a, as a public teacher, preacher, and so forth, evangelist for the last 45, 46 years, I've thought about this verse many times because of the very thing that you're talking about. It's a very straightforward warning to people like me, and now you're an elder like you, yes, who publicly teach or even privately teach, uh, that God says he's going to give a, have a stricter judgment for us because we can influence people. Well, that's part of what you're going to talk about. I suppose. Yeah, well, we influence and, and we got to be careful about how we approach the subjects, what we teach, how we interpret Scripture and explain it to people. There's a heavy burden, and you're, you're saying there's people on TV and on radio and so forth that, uh, from what they say, it doesn't appear to me that they've spent enough time reading careful scripture. consideration. They're just reading out of a doctrinal handbook or, or their own personal preferences, it appears at times. But go ahead. But that's that's exactly right, Mike. And, and you and I better not do that. And that's what we're trying not to do. Basically, I don't have it in this lesson, but what we've said on this show many times is John... 1248, Jesus says the words that he speak, that he has spoken, will judge us in the last day. We need to be right. familiar with his word. Right. And we need to touch, touch, touch on all of those things and understand them. 
Uh, so these are some of the things that I was thinking about in Acts 20 and 28 and 31. Paul speaking, I believe, here to the elders of Ephesus. Correct. Um, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. And I said, well, what are those perverse things? Well, I think sometimes our modern thought about perverse may not be what was in the Greek. So I looked up the Greek word, and it it actually means to distort, to misinterpret. And that impressed me. We can miss, if we misinterpret the scriptures, we are speaking something that is perverse. Right. And, and that's, that's something we should have a care for. Um, and we need to be careful about that. And that's one of the things about this show. And I think we've said it many times, and I think you've said it as well. We're here to help you learn what's in Scripture. Mike is not going to stand in judgment for you, and I'm not going to stand in judgment for you. When you stand before God and he asks you to give account for the deeds done in the body, it's going to be you there and not us. Right. But one of the deeds I've done in my body is stand up and teach people what God's Word says. And when I mislead them or don't carefully consider what I'm saying or teach my thoughts instead of God's words, I'm going to be held accountable for that. Exactly. The, the word diastropho, I think it's there, the word diastropho that you mentioned for distort, yeah, yes. literally means to pull through or to twist through. So the idea would be like you take a long piece of dough and you twist it through itself and make a pretzel out of it. Right. So you can still see the straightened shape there, but it's twisted in such a way that it's not recognizable or that it comes out differently than it was supposed to. Well, I picked the key words out of Strong was to distort, like yes, you said. Yes, that's right. Or to misinterpret. And so it's to turn around through itself, basically, is the idea that you come. So that's, that's, the liter- that's a literal, I think last week we had a call about the etymology of words so there it is it's to pull around through itself well when you take a a thought from god from god's word and you distort it and you twist it around on itself so it 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 sound it can sound sort of similar but it doesn't mean the same thing and the real problem with that is as a teacher your job is to put in the in the person's mind the pupil's mind the thought that god had so my job and your job as a teacher is to take what we understand God's words to say and put that thought into somebody else's mind without alteration, without twisting it around for our own purposes. And that's what these teachers, that he was warning these elders about, that some would come from among their own eldership and distort God's word for their own benefit. And that's why you see... One thing you see that's obvious, I'm sure some of our listeners are seeing this, Gary, and I'm not trying to hijack your subject. I may be doing it, but I'm no, not trying no, to. No, go but, right but, ahead. but what you see, what, what people see is this guy that takes God's words and he ends up with a Learjet and a mansion out of it for himself and a dumpster full of letters he's cleaned all the money out of and he's claiming he's teaching God's word and all he's doing is enriching himself. That's what they see. This is, a, this is a person who's distorted the word of God for his own benefit to draw away the disciples after himself, as Paul says, very literally. Now, not all false teachers are like that. You can be a false teacher and not do that thing, but when you distort God's word, you, you're going to be held in judgment. Well, I'll, I'll say for one thing, there are many more false teachers that are that way than there are false teachers that are not. Yes. You, see, you know, I'll, I'll say there are people that people respect that teach the wrong thing, particularly on television, about uh, the gospel plan of salvation. And one of them is Franklin Graham. I'm, I'm sorry I have to say that. He, he does not teach. And teach the, the complete gospel plan of salvation. No, no, he does not teach the complete gospel plan of salvation. It's a misinterpretation or a distortion of what's there. Right, because it leaves part of it out. Right. Now, he may not, may not be getting rich as some of the others have done, or as rich as some of the others have done, but basically that's well, from that's what you what s- well, you said before we went on the air, Gary, I think the other subject that we want to get to 
is the idea of a false teacher. And so the question there, without getting ahead of us too much, is, is it, is it false because it's not what God says, or is the teacher false because he's a phony or a liar? I think okay. it's possible that it can be both. Some of these yes. people are phonies. They're not sincere about what they're saying. They're just trying to use people. And then other people, others are simply mistaken and wrong. They still do damage in God's name because they're wrong. But they may not be complete phonies trying to get rich over this. And, but, but the effect can be the same because it leads people astray from what God said. Right. And that's not the object of a Bible teacher. And it, it's not just the New Testament that has these warnings for teachers. I, that's one of the no. things I wanted to Im- impress people with. Uh, talk about those teachers that get rich over it from Ezekiel 34, 1 through 6. Look what that says. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. He's speaking against the the shepherds, the, the priests of Israel that are supposed to be teaching God's word to them from the Mosaic right. law. And he says, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Yeah, they're in it for themselves, right? Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. he said, should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and the cloth and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. Right. And and he's prophesying against them. You know, uh I never knew this until I until I studied this. I often wondered what what happened to the sacrifices the people of Israel brought to God, and part of it went to take care of the priests. Yes, they were. It was given to since since the tribe of Levi, who were the priests, didn't receive any portion of the actual land. They received the fruit of the land from the other tribes that were to bring the offerings to the temple or to the tabernacle. And they took of the of the fruit of the of the of vegetable crops and meat crops, and that was their that was their livelihood. That was their livelihood. That's how the priests survived, as it were. And I take it from this that they were they were taking that, but they were not doing what they should have been doing but in their, teaching the, the people. Their main job was to teach the people what God said in His law, and, and then take His sacrifices to to offer up for the people. But one of the main things that's overlooked is they, that they were teachers, and you see that right here, and we can see. Partly, part evidence of what he's saying here is the ignorance of the people of Israel about what God said. There were, Gary, from you, I don't want to, it's not really the subject, but when you look at the actual, some of the verses in the prophets, you see that it was sometimes 150 years or more before the temple was even, or the tabernacle was even used. It was just, it just laid idle. They weren't taught it. And, and you find even the time of David, they didn't even know, they didn't know how to move the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. It's right there in the law, but they people weren't being taught. Even the king didn't know. And so this is this is the sad situation Israel was in. And and this is just one example that it says in Jeremiah two eight, the priest did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handle the law do not know me. That's what right. he's saying. They don't know me in the sense that they don't really know what they ought to be doing to respect me. Now now this brings up a modern problem in this way. I've in classes over the years, I've heard people say, well, what did the Jews do? Or what did the Jews believe? And you've heard me mention this before, Gary, yeah. but I know it's repetitive to you. But I'll tell you what I tell them. You know what the Jews did? Pretty much whatever they wanted to do. And that's what you, people you know do what, today. You know, yeah, you know what they believed, even though they were supposed to believe what God's word, the Old Testament? They believed pretty much what their neighbors did, whatever they wanted to. Pretty much what people do today. And part of that was the fault of the priests or the teachers who weren't teaching them what God said. They were teaching them, you know, critical race theory or, or a trans, uh, trans uh, education or some other versions of secular teachings. That's what they were teaching the people instead of teaching them God's word. Um, they weren't teaching those specific well, things, but as a parallel to today, this is what's going on in churches today that call themselves Christians. And then, so the question that the, your neighbors are asking sometimes is, well, what do Christians believe? What do Christians do? Your neighbors know that Christians do pretty much what, what everybody else is doing, whatever they want to do, because they don't, they may go to church from time to time, but they don't really know what the Bible says. And that's one of the things we're here about.
Yes, that, that's what this show is about, really. And, and it's incumbent upon each of us, especially those who claim to be a teacher, and, and for to those make sure who, that we think about this. Right, and for those of you who say that the Bible doesn't apply today or doesn't, doesn't talk about things that are directly applicable to the Word, I want you to turn to Ezekiel 13, and I want you to start reading at verse 3. And, he, and just what you were talking about, Mike, he says, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Yeah. They're following what they want. They follow what they want to say, what they want to do, and yet they've really seen nothing, he means, from me. Right. I haven't given this prophet a vision because he doesn't give these people visions today. But right. th- even then, they, they, they're just doing what their spirit wants. In fact... That's what you hear a lot of people preaching from so-called Christian pulpits. They are preaching versions of the Disney motto, follow your heart. Exactly. Make sure you live your best life now. Do what you want. Make sure that you enjoy yourself now. And if you're not enjoying yourself, then you're not really doing what God... This is the version of the gospel these people preach, and you know who I'm talking... Some people I'm talking about. And that's the same thing was going on then. God condemned it then. It says instead of follow your own, they follow their own spirit, which is exactly the same thing. They hear these voices. Well, they're hearing their own self-speaking, and they're not hearing what God's speaking. So you read them what God says in the Bible, and they dispute that, won't put up with that. But then they had a dream last night, a vision of what they're supposed to do, and the church is supposed to follow that. And he goes on in verse 6 of that very same chapter, Ezekiel 13. He says, They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Yes. They don't even realize, it seems, what they're doing. The Lord that. hasn't sent them a vision. And he hasn't yeah. sent them a vision, yet they, they make it up. Oral Roberts said God told them to build a 600-foot Jesus or send him so many millions of dollars or he's supposed to, he's going to die. This vision didn't come from God. You got these people having these visions, the world was going to end in what, 2012 or whatever it was recently. And well, I mean, you're old, 2012 is recent, but, uh, <laughs> to a young person, I know that's a long time. Well, I can't remember the year where the man was getting all these visions when it was going to end in September. Uh, the Jehovah's witnesses are famous for making their predictions at the end of the world. The Lord didn't send those visions to those people. Yes. And, and and yet they are the ones who are trying to make hay off it. Well, you have this all the time. How many sermons are going to begin this morning in churches around the United States with the preacher saying, I had a dream about something or God, God, or God my, told, me, God to told this. me this or the spirit uh, whispered in my ear this or that? You need to be. Very cautious when you hear that kind of talk coming from and, your pulpit. And Mike, we could spend an entirely another show entirely talking about where Scripture says that doesn't happen. Today. You know, I wasn't thinking about us going here, but I got a whole stack of papers. Maybe you can hear them rustling around here, <laughs> and about half of those have that very idea in them from some of the modern preachers that go on around the world. Now, now you should have people say, "Well, I don't read an old book." Let me tell you something. The Lord's telling you you should have a lot more confidence in what he's written down. He told the Jews to have more confidence in what he had written down through Moses than what these false prophets were preaching that God had told them there. The prophets were verified by the prophecies coming true that they had spoken. You don't have that today. That's the problem with it all. Anyway, we're off the subject a little bit. I'll go back to the New Testament because basically what are we supposed to be doing in 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 2. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. There's that own desires again. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned out aside to fables. I heard an old preacher say, well, what does it mean when he says, be ready in season and out of season? Well, I th- he said, it's when they like it and when they don't like it. Right. And so, right. basically, uh, Paul and Timothy probably didn't win a lot of friends teaching the gospel, right. but he they taught the truth. And that's what, from the scripture, from what they were being told and what they were writing down, because the Holy Spirit was telling them what to do. 
and so we have what they wrote. That word uh, in season is eucharist, eucharist in Greek, U E the E U meaning good, like eulogy, E U, and the kairos is time. So in a good time, when things are good, and when, and when people want to hear it, and then out of season is ek kairos, meaning it's not convenient. And so they, it comes into, into the Greek language as conveniently. When it's convenient for people to hear that word or when it's inconvenient to hear that word. If I were to tell people today that, boy, you know, pouring, oh, boy, I'm going to get political, but forgive this. Maybe it's an illustration. <laughs> boy, it's just so good we're pouring two or three trillion dollars into the economy. Everybody's going to have all this money. Isn't that a wonderful thing? A whole bunch of people are going to think that's a great idea. If I sit there and tell them, you all need to be afraid of this because when they pour all this money in, all the money you have now is going to be worth a lot less, meaning you're going to pay a whole lot more for the same goods like in gasoline. a year or two, or like other things. They say, oh, what's wrong? You're such a hater. You're so negative. You must be blah, blah, blah. Well, it's because it's inconvenient to hear that, to hear that news that what you want to hear isn't true, but what you don't want to hear very well may be true. And, and so as, a, as, a, uh, as hearers of God's word or as teachers, he's telling the teacher here, Timothy, you need to tell them what God says when they like it and when they don't, don't like it, when it's convenient for them to hear it and convenient for you to say it and when it's not. And, you know, that puts up, he said, be not many of you teachers because you'll bear a heavy burden. And I think that's part of the burden that you bear. And, and so the temptation is just to say what people want. And that's what he means here by they will heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears. The teachers don't have the itching ears. It's the hearers that have the itching ears. And the teachers... They like teachers that tell them what they that, want to yeah, hear. Yeah, that'll scratch those itching ears. They want to hear a certain thing, and, and so they will they will tell them that. J- Jeremiah, in his day, and I don't have that patch right in front of me, but uh, I think it's like chapter 24 or so. Je- Jeremiah, in his day, he was talking to the... And so was Ezekiel. The captives that have been taken to Babylon... God had prophesied that they were going to be in captivity for 70 years. But Hananiah, the false prophet, was prophesying that it was only going to be two years. So Hananiah said, when you go to, ba- when now that you're in Babylon, you know, don't plant houses, uh, plant vineyards, don't do anything because you're coming right back. And Ezekiel and Jeremiah were saying, no. It's going to be 70 years. You're going to die there, most of you. Get used to it. So build a so house. Build a house. Well, yeah, which one do you think was convenient for the people to hear? Which one do you think they believed? They believed the false prophet who was saying the easy thing. Because that's that what case, they wanted. Because that's what they wanted. Yeah, and that's the itching ears. And so it's a temptation on the part of a teacher to kind of assess what people want. And that's the trouble with, in the past years, we've seen a lot of what they call you know, seeker kind of churches where people did heavy demographic surveying of an area uh, and they decided what the people of that area were looking for, what they wanted in a church, what their interests were, how, how much money they had. And so they created a church in these areas, these irrelevant type churches that gauged that and they set out to say we want to get this age group so we're going to get this kind of rock band this kind of light show have the preacher wear the skinny jeans we're going to we're going to make it so that people will come because we're going to we're going to tailor our messages that and they're going to be like rock you know like rock and roll videos and and they create a seeker church and you can get people that way but you're not getting the kind of, for one, the kind of people God was trying to get. And, and then they go away when you don't say what they want to hear. Right. When you start saying things they don't like, they're gone. Well, I think Jesus kind of touched on that idea in John 5 when he says in verse 44, uh, well, let's just start reading in 43. He says, I, I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. He's saying, they're not listening to me. Right. Says, if you come, If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. 
So if somebody else comes and tells you what you want, you'll receive him. He says, how, in verse 44, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Is that John 8, did you say? John 5. Five. I'm sorry. I heard, John I 5, verse 43 through 45. Okay. That was from the New King James. Yeah, all right. But I think what he's saying is he's, he's, saying this, he's cautioning them about the same thing. You'll listen to somebody who tells you what you want, and, and the teacher likes that too. He says, you, you can't understand or believe what I have to say when you teach things that make people like you. Yeah, they seek the honor that comes from one another. another. Right, and do the, not the, seek the The accolades honor. of having a big crowd or so many likes on Facebook and so many followers on Instagram, but they're not really seeking the approval of God because of the things that they say. Right. And you, we see this all the time in religious circles. It, it's one thing to see this in politics. It's quite another to see it now, now, in Mike, the I church. Can, I can almost hear some people say, well, how can you blame me for what somebody taught? I believed him. It wasn't me. What did Jesus say about that? Well, he said in Matthew 15, beginning in verse 12, he says, Then when his disciples came to him, came and said to him do you know that the pharisees are offended when they heard this saying something that he had said but he answered and said every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted let them alone they are blind leaders of the blind and if the blind leads the blind both will fall in the ditch what's the result of listening to false teaching falling in the ditch falling in the ditch right uh it it he, you're causing people to stumble. He he warns about that. Well, you, when you go to Matthew, I don't know if this, or excuse me, Luke 17, I don't know if you were going to go here, Gary. Well, there are but, parallel scriptures in a lot of these that yeah, I haven't This is on. similar to what you're saying. It made me think of it. He said to his disciples in, in Luke 17, verse 1 through 5, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Some people are going to stumble and stop believing or whatever. But woe to him for whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung about his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should, that he should offend or cause one of these little ones to stumble. So here, here is a little one, an immature one. And he said it would be better if a millstone were hung about your neck, which is a huge rock, and you thrown into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And that's the teacher Right. Who teaches either by example or by word the wrong things and causes this little one to stumble. Now, the two things are happening here, and, and one of them people don't really observe very much. We can understand that the false teacher or the insincere one, the one that causes the stumbling, we can understand him being condemned. But the fact that he caused someone to stumble, that's the problem. The stumbler here, the one who is stumbling, has been misled. They're also condemned in this case. And, and that's the tragedy. They're, they're not innocent in this because they believed a false teacher. We have too many warnings about believing and following false prophets and false teachers to think that those who believe them are going to be, get off scot-free. You have a responsibility when you listen to anyone speak about God's word or follow their example. You're responsible for what you do. They're responsible for what they do and for what they've taught you. But you're responsible for what they, what you do, and, th- and that may be following someone, the blind leading the blind, and both of them falling in the ditch. Well, it's said in another way in Matthew 23, verses 13 and 14, talking again about the scribes and Pharisees. This is the group that Nicodemus came from when we started out talking about Nicodemus, a leader and a teacher. He says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. That's the exact yeah. same thing of the blind leading the blind. Just said a different way. Right. And They're and, shutting up the kingdom because of their false teaching. And they don't go in, neither do the ones who are following them go in. Go in. Yeah. So, so they are not even, by their teaching, not even allowing those who are trying to enter to go in. And it, it, the Bible says the same thing in many different ways. It's it's hard to misunderstand if you if you go to the different scriptures, Mike. Right. That's why I've always said, look at the different passages. We've always said on this show, how many times when Jesus was asked a question, did he say, have you not read? 
or how do you read? He expected them to read and understand. Exactly. Well, and I don't know, um, I think you've, you've got a, a more to say about this, but one passage that, that, that bears on this that we've talked about many times on this show, and I hate to be repetitive, but there are always people that have not heard before. And a place, it's a place that I go very often when I begin to teach someone about the Bible. And that's Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. No, I was thinking I would ask you to bring that one up because I did not include Well, you it want here. me to do it yes, now or yes, later but, on? Okay. No, go, go right ahead because I think that's a very important uh, idea here. Well, it, 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 it goes back to the idea of we can understand the Bible because it's meant to be read and understood. And it implies that we can understand it to the degree that we can live together with it that we can work together with. right and that we can do what God, that we can please God by doing what we do exactly the idea that's out there now is one of two things either that you got your interpretation I got my interpretation either one's okay or neither whatever or that since we can each read it and come up with some different quote-unquote interpretation that none of us are responsible for what it says it's impossible to understand it we can't why even bother I think that's I think in a strange way not maybe the way I'm talking about that's where a lot of probably our listeners are that they hear people like us talking they hear somebody else talking and they they hear differences and so they say well I'm no expert so I'm just going to ignore it all because I'm not an expert or I'll just make up my own idea and I'll go along with whatever it is and so therefore they try to get they kind of kind of get escape the responsibility that they have themselves to understand. And Gary and I advocate on this show what we would call maybe a plain reading of the Bible. I don't mean by that ju- just, quote-unquote, a literal reading, because when Jesus talks about going to the eye of a camel, he's not talking about literally uh, a camel. Go- got the eye of a camel. He's not talking about literally a camel going through the literal eye of a literal needle. He's using a metaphor or a, a, an illustration Symbolic, and you have to understand that some language is symbolic, some language is more concrete, and all of that. And and we can do that. It just takes more effort. Well, the, the example. But we can understand God's will. Well, and and basically, Mike, here here's a point that I would make, and, and try this on for a moment. If you do that, if you take one passage and bend it to your will to have a meaning. And yet there's another passage that has about the same meaning. It's a lot harder to bend that other passage and those two together. And if you get three or four of those, it's almost impossible. You have to begin to modify your understanding of all of them together to come up with the truth of what's being said. And and here's the example. We read it. What did he say? Every plant which, and this is in Matthew 15, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall in the ditch. That's symbolic. He isn't literally talking about people that plant, that God's going to literally plant a field of crops himself and and root up a plant, a literal plant. He's using it metaphorically, He's using of, it metaphorically. of ideas and people and thought, thoughts. But then he applies it directly in Matthew 23 when he says, For you neither go in yourselves, talking about the kingdom of heaven, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. He said it virtually directly. That right. Was that. When you and he's com- talking about the same thing. He's talking about the same thing. Now, that's one example, but there are many examples in the Scripture where there are different passages that do this. Well, thing. the passage that you read all the time, John twelve forty eight, about my words will judge you in the last day. I think that's referring to the same thing that he's talking about here, that every plant that my Heavenly Father is not planted shall be rooted up. Well, if you it, read, if you read John the same events, those who reject me and do not receive my words, it's exactly it's the same thing. Yes, yes. One of them is a is an allegorical statement, a metaphorical statement. One of them is a very straightforward statement. But they talk about the same thing. So that's now people who talk about taking the Bible literally in the wrong way can't figure those things out because when they use the word literal, they mean concrete concretely when he's talking about the eye the eye of a needle they're thinking there can only be a literal eye of a literal needle not something that's a metaphorical illustration of something and so therefore they have a hard time because so much of the bible is metaphorical and figurative 
Yes. And it needs to be understood in that way. And yet, it, yet it's talking about concrete events. The second coming is not allegorical or metaphorical. The resurrection of Christ and our resurrection are not just allegories. They're, real. They're actual real events that are coming. And yet he often discusses them in terms of metaphors and figures of speech. Well, that you have to understand that. to fig- and, and it can be done. It just takes a little bit of thought. And you can't go into it with a preconceived notion uh, about what it all means. And that's the trouble with like the Jehovah's Witness teaching about it. Because it's only one lens. A- and yet... Even they flip in the book of Revelation. So, well, I shouldn't get off onto that right now. But when you get into like the 144,000 there, that's a literal number to them. Only exactly numerically 144,000 people are going to enter heaven. But yet he says, if you read the whole chapter, that these are all male Jewish virgins and so forth. And names the tribes of Israel that they're from, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. But they don't apply that. That suddenly becomes a metaphor or figure of speech. But the number 144,000 is a literal concrete number rather than a figurative number. And if you keep reading, he goes on and he takes that 144,000 of each tribe and combines them with a whole unnumberable amount of Gentiles, innumerable amount of Gentiles. And And so their, their interpretation of those things get all convoluted. Now, they can deceive people with them. But they get all convoluted because they're not understanding the nature of figurative language. Now, let me go back, if you don't mind, back to no, where no, I was no, trying. No, I, try, no, I got go, go sidetracked back. here about Ephesians chapter well, 3. Well, I just wanted to show an example that we, we just read. This, this is how you have to study the Bible. And, and Mike, I think it's very important that we, we help our readers understand how to study the Bible to come to the truth. You right. can't just give it a cursory reading or read through once and understand it. I'm sorry, it's just not that no. way. Some passages are much simpler than others, but eventually even the simple ones have to be modified right. or understood by the other ones. Exactly. And so it's a lifetime thing. Well, what, what well, someone said, I wish I could remember the source of this quotation. Um, it may seem silly to you, but I've remembered it all these years, years and years, that the Bible is written in such a way and its content is as such that a small child can wade in it and an elephant can bathe in it so it's deep enough for the elephant to bathe in but it's shallow enough even for a child to get benefit from and they mean by that the different level i'm using figurative language there um i don't think elephants can read the bible but it, i'm talking about the level of understanding so no matter how uh, new you are to the bible you can understand something that god is telling you and something that you need to know or no matter how long you've been studying it, you can you're going learn, to learn more. New. And truth is, my experience is that the more that you read over a longer period of time, the more that you know that you don't know and the more that you learn. You learn greater amounts of material the longer you study it because it becomes open to you and clearer to you and fit, pieces fit together like you're talking about. Exactly. Is that your experience, Gary? That's exactly my experience. I, I can remember when I first came to the Lord... Uh, and that was Mike pretty close to 40 years ago. I, I haven't been, you know, involved in it like you have for so many years. But when I first, I, I had a different level of understanding. I had to, I had, I, there was a certain amount of basic knowledge I had to pick up. And and once I got to that threshold value, so many things opened up for me that I had never understood before. It, yes. It's, it's hard to explain what that is. Yes. But the world is like that, too. Oh, everything's like that. So, so, yes, that's true. So we're only asking everyone to start and to begin to read. If, you, if your start is just to take down the scriptures that we use on the radio show here every week, and we try to give you some, the shows vary the numbers of them. Gary's already read you 10 or 12 well, here, maybe so, this morning. We, you can begin to read those and try to understand what they mean. And, and I encourage people to take a piece of paper and a pencil or whatever it is and write down questions about each verse that you read, That does, anything that doesn't sound clear or any question. And then slowly you can begin to slowly answer some of those. If you want to do that in a personal way, Gary, I would be more, we'd be thrilled to sit down with you at 
at uh, Cracker Barrel or somewhere and take your list of questions from your Bible reading and, and go over it with you, give you some more things to read about, not, not in a coercive way, not about money or anything like that, just to show you, well, look at this. Here's how you explain this. This is what this might mean. Take a look at that. We'd love to do that, and we'd be glad to do that. But we can point you in different directions, give you other scriptures to go with it. If you want to do something like that, all you got to do is, is get a hold us. of us. Text us. Text call us. Call us. I gave you the numbers earlier, 772-260-6120-260-6220. Either one, we'd be glad to do that. And and we're not here to make money off of you or convert you to some cult. We want you to become a Christian by reading, understanding, and obeying God's Word. And we'll start there with you. Or, or come to service. Come to ser- come to our services, live stream our broadcast at wearejustchristians.com, or you can live stream it at on Facebook Live at Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. You can do that this morning, the Church, Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard here at 10 and 11, and we'll be live streaming our services. And uh, you can follow along there, the Bible classes, and come to our, come to our assembly. At the end of the service, end of the service, end of the uh, broadcast today i'll give you the address and all the other contact information about that but anyway never have gotten to ephesians chapter three good read verse, read, verse that, three that's important let's, right. let's not lose that paul the apostle says how that by revelation ephesians 3 3 how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as i have written briefly in a few words already now let me stop there Revelation here is referring to the fact that Paul, as an apostle, directly received God's Word into his mind, not by reading it, but by God directly revealing this mystery to him. And he says, I briefly have written it already, which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. And so he's saying here to them, and there's more to the passage, but I'll stop there for sake of time. He's saying that God revealed his will, his word, to Paul the apostle. Paul took what the words that God had revealed and he wrote them down. And then the, the Christians or the Ephesians, when they read them, they could understand his knowledge of the mystery of Christ. So that's the process. We take the words of the apostles, which were revealed by God's mind through the Spirit to the apostles. And we read them what they wrote, and they wrote them in the Bible, the written word of the Bible. And when we read them, we have the same knowledge that Paul did of what God had in mind. That's the process. What people want to do is short-circuit that. They want to make make you think that God is revealing the word directly to them, or they want you to go home and and uh, work yourself up a little bit into some kind of an emotional state so that God will reveal it directly to your mind at the breakfast table, what you're supposed to do today or what you're supposed to believe or what a certain passage means. That's not how God says you receive his word today. You receive it by reading the written word that he gave his apostles by revelation. Now, there's other scriptures that talk about this very thing. Actually, Gary, that's basically how the people in the Old Testament received his word. They re- yes, it yes. was given to Moses on the mountain, certified by the miracles that he did and by the angels, and then they read it. Now, the prophets came along, and they confirmed by the prophecies what Moses had written. They weren't teaching anything that Moses had not already written already to them, but they, they, were, they were given this. So anyway. And that's one of the things that they should have recognized who the proper prophets and teachers were if they taught what was in the word as a matter of fact jesus says that in some passage that i or i think paul says that i can't remember which one he says you know test the spirits first john four brethren believe not every spirit but test the spirits whether they be of god because many false prophets are gone out into the world yes okay And, and how do you test the spirits he says in galatians if anyone and I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here because I haven't got it in front of me. If anyone teaches another gospel or a different gospel, let him be accursed. Even if he's an angel from heaven, let him be yes, accursed. Yes, it's actually Galatians chapter 1 um, and verse oh, 6. He says, I marvel, Galatians 1, 6, that you are turning away so soon from him 
who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not really another, but there are some who would trouble you and want to, there's your word again, pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to distort it. Distort it. But even if we, that is the apostles, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as I said before, so say I now again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Now, this means, for example, that when Joseph Smith came along in the 1800s and said that an angel, Moroni, gave him these golden tablets in the state of New York, a new revelation called the Book of Mormon to place alongside the Bible. Paul says, the Bible had already told me what I should do with the, with the Book of Mormon. I should not believe it. It said, Paul says he should be accursed. He said, let him be accursed because he said that anybody, even an angel from heaven. And I've heard people tell me, Gary, well, I know what you say from the Bible. I believe that. But an angel told me such and such. Well, I already know what to think about that. Paul tells us. Paul tells us. If it doesn't match up with what Paul says or what the apostles say, then I shouldn't believe it. And, and you're going to be accursed for teaching it. Now, if it says the same thing that Paul does, why do I need what you say? See, yeah. people say, well, mine's the same thing. The Book of Mormon's the same thing as the Bible. It's not. Well, why do we need it if it's the same thing as the Bible? You see, we don't. You don't. But it's not the same. For example, the Book of Mormon says that Jesus was born in Jerusalem. And the Bible <laughs> says he was born in Bethlehem. But anyway, that's just one of a, of a dozens and dozens of contradictions. Right. Uh, and Paul goes on later in, in that those very first verses, and he says, this gospel that he's teaching you, he didn't get it from men. He got it from who? From God. From, from direct, Jesus from, Christ. I received God, yeah. it from Jesus Christ. Direct. I didn't go to the rabbis or somebody else and Peter and Paul, James and find out what to say. God gave it to me. And, and God told Peter what to, what to write to. And, and how do we know that for sure? Because they did miracles that were written down for us to read again. Right. As a matter of fact, the whole book of John says many things Jesus did that are not written in this book, but these things are written that you may believe that he was the Son of God. And now, that's yeah. another paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me. But, but that's well, well, that's that's John 20 and verse 30 or so, so I believe it is. 30, right around there. I believe. Uh, the, the other verse I'm thinking of here now, let me think of it here. You just made me, made, well, now I've lost it. You made <laughs> me think of it that goes along with this. Oh, Paul said to the Corinthians that... They should believe him, for example, because he had done in their presence the signs of an apostle. And um, in, in, first, in Second Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 12, he says, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me. In other words, he, he tried to prove to them he was an apostle, and he felt like he was boasting, and he felt like a fool for doing it. I ought to have been commended by you, Paul says to the Corinthians, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So Paul says, when I came to you, Corinthians, taught you the word in here, I did the signs of an apostle. I proved to you by signs and wonders, miracles, that I was God's servant and no man can do without God's help what I did. And you should have believed what I told you. And that's, the, that's what he's telling about all the apostles, wherever they went, you see. And that was what Nicodemus recognized about Jesus in John 3. By the way, so when, where one, that started. when one of these uh, bishops or apostles today, and I, I see, see them calling themselves bishops and apostles, when, when you see these people, when, if you meet one of them, ask him to show you a sign or a wonder that he truly is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Because the apostles of Jesus Christ in the first century gave the signs of an apostle. These guys just take the title apostle, and take the title of bishop where they don't even meet the qualifications of a bishop. I, I'm being hard on people today, I guess, aren't I, Gary? Well, but this is an important subject, well, and I want to warn people against the, that kind of thing. Jesus says the word that I spoke will judge you in the last day. That's the standard. What could be more important than the last day when we will stand right. before God? Right. Now, I want, to rem I want to remind you now, in case you're forgetting, because I'm sounding a little bit strong here, that in the beginning of this show, Gary and I started out by trying to apply this passages to ourselves that we have both 
realize that we are under the judgment of God as teachers of the word under a heavier judgment than those who hear us because we're trying to teach what God says to others publicly. And so we are well aware of the dangers of teaching something that's wrong. And we would be glad if you could show us our errors if we make errors. We don't say that lightly or just as a dare But if we're saying what's an error, we would be more than happy for you to come on this show or write us privately, and we'll discuss that with you. And perhaps we can then, if we're wrong, correct ourselves. But we don't claim to be apostles. We don't claim to be inspired. We don't claim to have some special pipeline to God about these things. We're simply servants who are reading the Word, and then because of experience, trying to teach others how to read God's Word and apply it to your life. And and that's the claim that's made. But even that brings a heavier judgment. Yeah, and, and it's one of the reasons why, Mike, I, I try to read a lot of Scripture. Nothing says what God wanted to say better than Scripture. I can't put it in better words. Yes. Um, that's one of the reasons why I keep wanting to go back and quote to you. you People may get bored with that, but I'm right. sorry. That's, 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 the way it is. that's the way it is. On Sunday when I was talking about the nature of God and God's transcendent nature in the sermon, I don't know if I said it, but I meant to say, because I was reading various scriptures where God told people like Job and Ezekiel and Isaiah who he was. What I was trying to say is, it's one thing for me to use my words and tell you who God is. That's all not well and good. But it's much better if you hear God's words yes. about who he says he is, right? Nobody's, and you better pay attention to that. Nobody says it more concisely or better. Uh, and But the problem is you can't get it easily in every case. I, I'm going to go back to Hebrews 11. I've quoted this before in verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he... He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the problem. We don't want to diligently seek him. We want somebody to hand it to us without having to work for it. Now, Gary, we've got about three minutes left here, and you mentioned to me that you wanted to get to something about being um, an example. Is is that where you want to go now? Yeah, let's let's take a look at that. Okay. A few things. One of the things that I want... Our, our, I would like for our readers to our listeners to uh, to start thinking about is when you when you look at people who are teaching, look at what they do. Jesus told the people, you know, do everything the scribes and Pharisees say, but don't do what they do. Right. Uh, in Philippians three, uh, Paul says, "Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk." as you have us for a pattern. The scripture is giving us the pattern to walk by, and that's what Paul walked by. That's the way you should be looking at people who are teaching you. You should be looking at their example. Now, I will be the first to admit, Mike, that from time to time I fail. Well, of course. And he says there are many who walk, whom I told you off in the next verse, and tell you now even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, even though they were claiming to be examples to be followed. Yeah. I think I think this is one of the main things that you ought to look for. Even infallible men like Gary and I or whoever it may be, does their life even remotely match up with what they're telling you that God says they ought to be doing? And, and are they honest and open? Are they authentic in what they're presenting to you? Do you see a real person or do you see a polished image of someone that they want you to see. And so you have to look at a person's life. Now, we we, we all say, well, we all make mistakes. I understand that. But we also have to understand that Paul says, look at the people's life. Well, we got about a minute left, Gary. One more uh, passage. One quick passage because we're passage. going to First wrap Timothy, this up. Paul tells Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Great. That's a good one to close on. Be an example if you're going to be a teacher. Right. Well, we appreciate you listening. We would like to ask you to, t- tune, uh, to 
tune in, <laughs> to take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. You find lots of resources there, including an archive of this radio show and the sermons here at the church. You can email us at justchristians at att.net, justchristians at att.net. We'd be glad to receive any email at any time that you have that you'd like to send us. And we'd like to invite you not only to attend our services at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, but also take a look at our live stream, which is at we are at Savona Boulevard Church of Christ on Facebook Live. Thanks for listening today, and may God bless you. WPSL Port St. Lucie.